The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, back from being sick and moving and alien abduction and being probed in her butt. I don't know what the hell is going on over there. Anywho, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Say hi, Tim Tim. Hi, everybody. I was not probed there. Okay, yeah, sure. (laughs) I saw saw it on Pornhub. Those aliens (laughs) had long fingers, man. It was scary. Whatever, dude. Like, it made me pucker. It made me pucker up. I'll admit that. Look, I was watching, when I was sick, I was watching Celebrity Jeopardy, and they actually had a question about the Sasquatch. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's awesome. They said this, otherwise known as the Sasquatch. And I said, Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if I was on that, I would have said it. (laughs) That's easy. That's Tammy. They went, "Um, no, that's incorrect. Another name for Sasquatch is. Tammy Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So we've got a multi-parter. Let's get into this guy, Jeffrey Don Lundgren. Right. Well, we already did part one. Right. And so to recap for everybody, this is a guy who grew up in the LDS church and everything, and so did his wife. And then he kind of broke oh, off from them. I remember this guy now. Okay. Yeah, I was sitting there he, trying to pick my brain. And he kept telling them, this is when God's coming. And when that came and passed, he was like, oh, no, I got another prophecy blah 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 and you know what i mean and so but he's also the one that if you question anything he said he would be like you know i'm gonna kill you right right you they, he's a guy that looks like a like like a great value version of a car dealer uh he looks like a chomo and yeah he, he he looks like he should be in his mom's basement playing freaking video games and trying to lure yeah. 14-year-old girls down there. And he's so much better looking online. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that Brad Paisley song? Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, dude. No. <laughs> but, yeah, he's just, he's really crazy. I mean, so go back and listen to that last episode because there's a lot to recap on him. But, um... We're going to start off because he wanted, he was like dead set that this couple and their children were against him. And so he made some of his followers go dig a hole. Remember? Right, that was the last thing. Part, it was yeah. a six feet by seven feet by four foot pit in the barn area. So often at, you know... A lot of it, I mean, you and I kind of understand it more because we study psychology. I mean, not like professionally or anything, but it's right. like well, that I is one thing that, that we, though. well, you do, but I don't. You know, But it's something that we like look into all the time. And especially doing this, we have to, you know. Right, because we, like we, we like to know how each individual person yeah, what, on our show exactly. actually functions. Because everybody's motivations are different. Mm-hmm. You know, some in this case here, I feel those motivations are greed and power. While, exactly. While other are driven by a, a bad brain chemistry like Carol Cole. Right. You or know? they're driven by revenge. Like um, we haven't covered him yet, but the uh, Green River Killer. Oh, and, yeah. Um, Kemper. Yeah. And Kemper. And uh, yeah. And you have, the, of course, the classic brain injuries. Right. Like, uh, like Bobby Joe Long. Bobby Joe Long. And, and I'm just trying um, to think if there's like four or five uh, other ones that we did. I just can't remember. I just remember Bobby Joe Long because I talked and about Peter him. And Peter Sutcliffe. I don't know if we covered him yet. I think we did Sutcliffe, yeah. And, you know, because there's a few of them that, yeah, traumatic brain injury. Bobby Joe Long is like the go-to one for brain oh, injuries. totally, man. And, 
I mean, in the revenge part, you know, that also comes back to our favorite one of all time, Carl Panzram. Oh, 100%. You 100%. Know? But Carl was, I think, in my opinion, was a little bit more than revenge. He was a, a matter of, it's, he kind of accepted within himself, or at least told himself, it was, it's, you're either the lion or the lamb. Right, I believe that too. You know, so yeah, he but went I out think and he, I mean, he it kind of started off. I think as revenge because remember how he uh, he targeted men, right. you know, because he was victimized by men, and then he went to the younger boys, right. you know, right, right. So, you know, so but we as a society in in general don't really comprehend how people can be so taken by cults like the Jimmy Jones and the um, the David Koresh and you know what I mean those kind of people right right well I, I think for them though it comes down to two things number one charisma mm-hmm. and and Charles Manson had that too he had a lot of charisma right and you offer them something they're not getting anywhere else and usually the people that attract cults are they their members are usually these d- disenfranchised people right exactly that really and it's it, it it, honestly, it goes the same way with, with when when people join uh, criminal gangs. Right. You know, these are disenfranchised people that really need to find their place in the world. They want to find out. They, they, they need to find where they can be accepted. Right. Uh, for who they are. And that's, that's you know, people go to cults for that and they or they go to become gang members. Well, right. And, I mean, Dr. Um, Paul Martin actually goes into it a little deeper. He says that the um, leaders of these cults basically tell their victims, you know, because they are victims, that they're not responsible for their actions or beliefs. Therefore, they should not feel any guilt or shame because of what they've done. You know, so that gives them, I'm sorry, did I, Yeah. did I move? Yeah. Um, you're, you're, so you're under that control and everything, they can be persuaded to do whatever <laughs> That because they don't have that remorse for any sort of violence that they're going to do or have done. True, but and they you know? they also fall for the, the yeah. You know, this is this is you know the way of God. God. Oh yeah. And it, you can name your God. I'm not just talking about the Christian faith. Oh no, it, totally. Know, I mean, they they can make a a God. You know, call him. You know. Super bobblehead Pez boy. Well, look at the high, high, the Hari Krishnas that yeah. started here in the Midwest. I mean, the Pacific the Northwest, Northwest. Yeah, that you know basically poisoned a whole town. <laughs> you know, so under that might. Oh, I already talked about that. So his conscience may tell him that that action is wrong, but the cult leader has persuaded them that it's not. You know that it's God's will, or you know I spoke. God told me you're doing right. And so most people who join the cult think they're joining a moral group, you know, correct? that what they're doing is healthy and for the better good of mankind, you know. And so where was it? I lost my place because my paragraphs are long and they're not usually. So in other words, cults usually recruit (coughs) guilty, you know, are guilty of allowing themselves to be deceived. But is that really a sin? You know what I mean? So who do we blame? The battered wife or the husband who battered them? Do you, are you following me? I'm following you. I, I just okay. keep on thinking to myself that every year that, that, you know, that there's like fucking thousands of wives being battered. Mm. And I've been eating mine plain this whole time. It's disturbing. 
Yeah. Exactly. You missed that whole joke, didn't you? I did. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because I am still asleep. <laughs> it is like way too early. Oh, it isn't? God dang, it's 7.30 in the morning. I it's know, uh, about all the whole, half the day's gone. Way too early. I'm battered. What? Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. So on April 17th of 1989, Jeff and the group moved all of the Avery's belongings, this, that's that family that he thinks is against him, mm-hmm. to the farm and rented them a room at a nearby motel. The next day was to be when the group set off on their, quote, wilderness retreat. And everyone in the house, except for the Averys, knew that this was their last meal as a group when they sat down for dinner. It says supper, but that's Midwest at 6.30 p.m. that evening. That could be, uh, that, that, that's legit. That, you know, kind of like Jesus in the Last Supper. This was the Averys in the Last Supper. Yeah, it was the Averys Last Supper. So the mood in the group was, you know, rather like down and solemn and everything. And most had come to accept that the Averys had to pay for their sins, you know. That's right. The Lord, the Lord says so. Yeah, that's right. The Lord told Jeff that the Averys had to pay. So right after dinner, Jeff went into the bedroom and called all of his men, except for Dennis Avery, into the room. As they walked in, he gave a a forty-five Colt Combat Elite from his holster on his hip and asked the men one by one whether they were with him or not. Right? Like you're with me or you're not. So each one... The 45 in your hand, I'm pretty sure that I'm with you. <laughs> I know, right? Because the... Uh, I, I was going to say, isn't your... It's, I don't think yours is a Colt. No, but, mine's a Smith & Wesson. Yeah, but it's heavy. Yeah. It has, yeah. It has big, heavy bullets. Yeah. So each one said, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> I would too, man. I'm with you, big guy. I hear you chirping, big bird. <laughs> no kidding, man. You look at that 45, it's like, well, there's two options here. If I say I'm with him, I'm, I'm probably going to live. If I say I'm against him... Um, I say I'm again him. Again him. Yep. Then uh, he's probably going to splatter my brain matter all over these walls. Yeah, right here in the bedroom. Yeah. So uh, I think I'm going to go along with this. Yeah. I want to kind of live. <laughs> exactly. So Jeff said about telling everybody that they were going to take the Averys into the barn one by one. Okay. They would bind them with tape, place them into the pit, and then shoot them execution style. You know, like almost like uh, concentration camp style. Oh, yes. So, I know about the concentration I know, guns. but they didn't put them in the shower first. They should have gone to the showers. You know that they are dirty if they're going into a <laughs> nasty barn and do the peats. They need to have the showers first. Mm-hmm. Scream for me, little Averys. Scream. <laughs> it is so music bad. to my ears. <laughs> Instead of squeal like a piggy. <laughs> Scream like a piggy, little Avery. <laughs> so then Jeff said, are there any questions? And nobody had any. So he looked over at Ron Luff, another one of his followers, and said, let's do it. Um, so he stood over the pit, and Ron walked out of the barn toward the house. As Ron walked in the house, he's, he asked Dennis to come to the barn and give him a hand preparing equipment for their trip. Dennis said, okay, and followed Ron right into the fog towards the barn. When he walked into the barn, Ron... Um, brought out a stun gun and attempted to immobilize Dennis with it. The stun gun, however, was such low voltage, it simply caused the guy to go, ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he started saying, no, no, and this is a quote from Dennis, no, no, this isn't necessary, please. This isn't necessary. God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. 
And for that person who doesn't like how we swear, this was a direct quote. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, Best quote ever. <laughs> you like that one? I do. So regardless of this, you know, Dennis's cries for help, he was overpowered by all these men, which, you know, hello. And so they were able to get him down, duct tape him. Then Richard Brand and Danny Kraft picked him up, you know, so that he was standing, dragged him over the pit and put him in there. They lowered him down and they quickly backed away. Um, then Greg Winship, standing outside of the barn, was given the signal to start a chainsaw so that it would muffle the sound of the gunshot. You know, because you didn't want yeah, the people in the sense. house to hear it because it's like, whoa, what's that? Yeah, it's a pretty big uh, alarm bell there. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Big that Daddy's pop, pop, in the pop. barn, <laughs> and we just heard a pop from some guns. That can't be healthy. <laughs> right. So... Um, as the ch- chainsaw fired up, Jeff raised the forty-five caliber and fired two shots into Dennis's back. When the chainsaw stopped, all that could be heard was one last gurgling sound from, from Dennis. And then Jeff walked out of the pit room and called the others. He goes, you better see what this looks like. So one by one, the men wa- filed into the room and looked down into the pit and nobody said a word. Then Ron left the barn and headed back to the house. So he went into the house and asked Cheryl, the mother, to go out to the barn and said, Dennis needs her help. She agreed, you know, because she's an obedient wife. As they should be. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) So she followed Ron out to the barn. Then the Avery children, unaware of what was happening, sat in the living room playing video games, you know, and talking about the upcoming trip they were excited about. You can only imagine the horror that they were go- soon going to go through. So, um, since he had already killed Dennis, there's no stopping Jeff now, right? Right. Ain't no stopping me now. Whatever. My <laughs> lip is really dry. I hate, don't say, why do I do this this morning? I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I hate you. Sit down, shut up. I <laughs> uh, no, I have some right here. I brought some. So once they were in the barn, Ron once again tried to use the sun gun. Again, it failed. You'd think, hey, if it was too low voltage the first time, it's probably not going to... If at first you don't succeed... Try, try again. Fail, 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 fail again. (laughs) (laughs) Do the same exact thing. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Let's try it one more time. That attests to the IQ of this dude. Like, for real, man. Right? So then once the stun gun failed again, you know what he did? He just calmly placed his hand on her shoulder and said, just give it up. It'll be easier this way. Just let go. Right? Well, it's like, what's he going to do? Console her into being shot? No, he's like a Jedi. He goes, this is not the life that you bargained for. You want to die. This is not the life I bargained for. I want to die. Get into the pit. I think I'm going to get into this pit here and let you shoot me. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> So, um, do, 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 do. Oh, so Cheryl didn't even put up a struggle. She just sank down to the floor as the men tied her with, ta- you know, bound her with tape. Then they dragged her over to the pit and lowered her inside next to the body of her husband. And then the guy started, the, Greg started the chainsaw again. Uh, Richard took a step, stood back and watched as Jeff 
you know, brought up the gun, fired three shots. The first two struck her in the right breast, and she jerked forward and began to fall back as the third shot pierced her stomach. Then she, you know, and that one killed her. So worried that the shots might have been her, Jeff ordered the men to go outside and check. They, you know, once nobody's, you know, had their hackles up and be like, what was that? You know, he he was satisfied that nobody had heard them. So he told Ron to go in the house and retrieve one of the girls. And he was to tell her, let's go outside and play hide and seek. Right. So since they were still playing video games, he asked Trina, you know, one of the girls to come out to the barn. Debbie Olivares and Susie Luff were pacing back and forth in the living room and said, do you, and Debbie goes, do you think it's happening? And Trina said, I think so. And See, that's not ominous at all. That's right. Like something out of a bad horror movie right there. Like, hey, I wonder why they're pacing around and asking questions like, do you think that's happening? Right. That's not suspicious at all. Sure, I'm going to go with you strange cult leader type of a dude. I'll walk right into the barn with you because that's not weird. But, but these girls are younger. I mean, from the documentary I saw, they couldn't have been older than 10. Still, I mean, you would think they'd have some common sense. Like, this is a, what, why, you know, like, put two and two together, fuckers. Right? So, as they walked into the barn and got to the pit, Trina just stood there still as the men, you know, secured her with tape. And mostly because she didn't know what was going on. Like, what the hell is going on here? Once they were done binding her, they picked her up and put her in the pit. And Trina leaned her head back against the dirt as the first bullet just grazed her head. She screamed in pain, and then she was shot. He fired again and shot her right in the head on the left side. God damn, right? man. And so no one, nobody in the barn seemed to show any concern or remorse over that little girl's death. You know, then Ron went back to the house and asked Becky and Karen if they would like to come out to the barn and see the horses. They both jumped up eagerly and ran for the door. He told them to wait. Only one of them could go out at a time so they didn't spook the horse. So the girls were like, eh, you know, that's, I don't really want to stay here by myself. And I don't want to go out by myself. But they finally said, you know what? We'll go ahead and do it. We want to see the horse. So once they were in the barn, they pretended to be playing a game as they bound her hands and feet and picked her up and put her in the Oh, I guess she was 13 years old, so... Oh, that, see, that makes it even worse. 13 yeah. years old, you should be looking at it and going, no, this is some messed up stuff, man. Right. So they picked her up and put her into the pit, which was now obviously soaked in blood, right? Probably full of bodies. Yeah, probably <laughs> a little, soon. at least three. So Greg, once again, fired up the chainsaw, and Jeff shot two shots. The first bullet struck her in the left thigh while the second one pierced her chest dude jeff is is, a horrible shot that's what i was gonna say it's like dude you're standing right over her how hard can it be to shoot her (laughs) actually he's more like yosemite sam god dang man yeah (laughs) yosemite sam anyways um they want, and then so after that was done, Greg shut off the chainsaw and walked over to the pit, walked in the barn and over to the pit. He saw her making, you know, just struggling to breathe as she lay atop, laid on top of her mother, but they never fired a mercy shot. They let her suffer. Gee, many yeah. That's, see, that's the most messed up right there, man. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, that is screwed up. So Karen, the other daughter, was becoming impatient, you know, while she waited to go 
you know, see the horses. Then she stomped her feet and said, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? No. <laughs> no. Just asking for she, a friend. Yeah. She started to, you know, run out of the house and Debbie stopped her. She said, no, you're not going anywhere. So she started to scream, I want my mommy. And then one of the other women said, don't worry, you'll be with her soon. Oh, what the hell, I know, man? isn't that cold? Everybody there is a... Ah. Right. Okay, like I've said before, I don't care if people kill adults. Well, I do, but, you know, it's, I, I can accept that. Now, dude, you're messing with kids. Right, exactly. You're That's... killing these three little girls who did nothing to you. Right, now, if they were in Walmart and being little brats, <laughs> I totally understand that. Like, I don't condone it, but I get it. I 100% get it. For I, I 100% get it. You know, if, somebody, if there was a news report like man goes crazy in Walmart and kills, you know, freaking five unruly kids, I'd be like, I don't condone what he did. I but, understand but I get it. it. Yep, I get it. I well, see, and, I've been there, buddy. I've been right? there. Right. Well, and I tell people the story because when my son was four months old, we went down to California, and driving back, rear facing car seat, he screamed. I'm not talking cried. I'm talking screamed from. Why Rica, California to Roseburg, Oregon? And we got in that rest stop and I said, we either turn him around or I leave him here. For those of you that don't know the distance, it's right around four hours. Yeah, it is not pleasant. <laughs> and it's on Interstate 5. It's a straight shot. But it's, it's a, a straight long shot. Yeah. Four hours. But I was just like, because, and that's when I looked at mom and said, I finally get child abuse. I understand it. <laughs> it's like I don't condone it, but no. I understand why. I said there is self control, but I get it now. <laughs> so shortly after that, after you know telling her that she'd be with her mom soon, Ron went back into the house and told Karen that it was her turn, and then he bit down so he could give her a piggyback ride. Okay, Dude, then Dana. That's some cold blooded shit. I know, isn't that cold? There's one thing walking somebody to like the gallows, so to speak, but. This is thing. Hey, let's have a piggyback ride. We're gonna have a good time. We're good buddies. That's god dang, man. That, I know that is cold. There's beyond something fundamentally wrong with these people. Like beyond. Right. Well, and then each and every time they started to go out to the barn, Damon was watching from the window and kept saying, "Here they come! Here they come!" Jesus you know? Christ. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. So as soon as they got into the barn, they taped up Karen, and they flung her. Oh, no, Ron put her over his shoulder and placed her next to his her sister, Becky, in the pit. Then the chainsaw started up. No, I still have some. Thank you. Then the chainsaw started up again, and Jeff fired two shots. The first one struck her in the chest, and the second one pierced her skull, which ended her life. Thankfully, she didn't have to suffer like her other sister did. So after Karen was executed, Ron instructed Ron and Richard to spread lime over the bodies and cover them with dirt. It took two hours for them to complete that task. And then as soon as they were done to kind of cover up the fact that there was a freshly dug grave there, they put trash bags on top. So after the bodies were concealed, Alice called the house and said, is the company gone? Can I come home now? She was calling from the Patrick's apartment. And earlier, she had left the farm with the younger children before any of the killing took place. Because you don't want the little kids there, right? So, um, Debbie told her, wait 15 minutes. And then, after that, she came back to the house and told the Patricks and the Johnsons requesting their presence for a late night class. Um, 
Oh, Jeff called the Patrick, sorry. And then following that call, Jeff, Damon, and Alice drove to the motel where the Averys were to stay that night and removed all of their belongings. So it did, it's like they weren't even there. And Jeff's voice was the only one heard throughout the silence during that class. At one point, he asked each person in the room to relate their feelings about what had happened. Um, and the only one who spoke up was Richard when he said no one should have to die that way. And Jeff explained it had to be done. God willed it. No, right? no, no. Okay, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. These are all friggin' adults, right? Right. So you would think that the majority of them, I'm not even saying all because we know that there are some stupid people out there, but the majority of them should be looking around going, um, I'm fairly sure <laughs> that in no religious texts it says to march a family into a pit. Yeah, and, bu- and kill them execution style. Yeah, uh, no. It's yeah. Ridiculous, man. You're right. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Because I mean, when I saw this documentary, I was like speechless the whole time. I was like, what the hell? Or, or, or even this, this right here. Even if it did say, let's just say that we have the book of... I don't know. Messed up acts. <laughs> that's that's the Bible. The, the book of first and second opinions. Yeah. You would think that these people being adults and yeah. wanting to good do good things would look at it and go, okay, this religious nut job is not for me right. because we know that we should not be doing this because one of the, one of the 10 commandments, I think it might be number one. I think it says thou shalt not kill. Right. That's pretty on the nose. No, I think number one is thou shalt have no other God before me, I think. That might be. Now I got to look it up. God dang it. I know, right? Hold on. I'm going to Google this. You keep talking. I'm going to Google some shit. There used to be a Bible over here, but I think I took them all. Um, So the next day, um, the whole group spent time preparing to go on their trip, you know, their wilderness trip. And Jeff divided them all into small groups. And each group left at a different time so as not to, you know cause anybody to say what the hell's going on why are they mass exiting <laughs> and he's extracted everyone to me hey, guess uh, what you're right am i yep yeah i figured yeah. i've had the bible drilled into my head my most of my life actually thou shalt not kill is actually pretty far down there i was gonna say isn't that i think that's even past thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife it goes thou shalt not have any gods before me so don't be a dick and worship somebody else because I'm all that, and I know like how to Jeff. Pay. Yeah, that uh, don't worship a Jeff. <laughs> uh, thou shalt not make graven images, right? False gods, right? Thou shalt not take my name, uh, the name of the Lord, in, in vain. Well, right. God damn it! <laughs> um, remember the Sabbath and uh, keep keep it as a holy day. Honor thy mother and father. Oh yeah, I knew that one was. And out. then, thou shalt not kill. Oh, That's so it's even before thou shalt not cover. Thy neighbor's wife. Uh, yeah, the adultery one is next, and then uh, that shot not steal. Looks like it's like last. Oh wow! I think more items. Wow. Uh, that shot not covet is ten. Uh oh, nine is uh, you shall not bear false wit- false witness. Right, that's lying. Against your neighbor. Right. And uh, seven is uh the adultery one, and then yeah, it's like number six on the list. Wow, dude. I would think that, okay, I understand. I understand the first one being, hey, man, don't have any of your gods before me. Right, and don't and don't build any gods. Yeah, I understand those. You would think thou shalt not kill, though, would be at least in the top five. You would think. 
But no, they're like, oh, and by the way, don't kill anybody. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> it's just, you know, we're just kind of throwing that out there. And while you're you at it, how honor thy mother and thy father is before don't kill. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, yeah, I guess you don't have sex with your neighbor's wife and don't lie about them. You know, those are just right. minor ones. Don't kill anybody. But hey, whatever you do, <laughs> you mind your mom and dad. You mind your mom and dad. If not, I'm going to take a belt to your behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then what happened? Um, so what happened is, you know, after he sent them out, you know, groups out one by one instead of two by two. No, I'm kidding. Jeff told them all to meet up at a restaurant in Pennsylvania to get more instructions from him. It was called an ARC. <laughs> That's the restaurant. They went two by two into the ARC. <laughs> the ARC. <laughs> Of the Covenant. No, that was a different arc. Yes. Well, that's Indiana Jones, man. I know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. My bad. So after the murders, the police deputy, Ron Andelsek, was out on a routine patrol, and he noticed that something was a little odd when he drove by the Lundgren house. It was a lot odd. Right? There's a lot odd going well, right on right there at the Lundgren house. He realized States. that the whole property was abandoned, and he couldn't figure out why. Why would the group just pick up everything and leave in a hurry? Oh, he was having a blues clues moment. He's going right? to start looking for some paw prints. Right? He thought, and Jeff decided that, you know, he said, you know what? We're going to go to West Virginia, collect their thoughts, and wait for another sign from God. Um, because he would instruct them what to do on how they could find the golden sword. And which some thought to be the sword of Laban, which is spoken of in the Book of Mormon. Did you say the sword of Labia? Laban. Oh, gotcha. L-A-B-A-N. Okay. My, my, I thought you meant like a you know pork sword. But right. Okay, go ahead. Well, and according to Jeff, that sword was with the golden plates that Joseph Smith is believed to have translated from the Book of Mormon. Right. And then he eventually settled on a secluded campsite east of Davis, West Virginia, located in, you know, let's get this right, the Cannon Valley. <laughs> right? Because it has to be related, right? Yes. And it's approximately <laughs> 60 miles southwest of Wheeling, and the area sits 3,200 feet above sea level, surrounded by the Appalachian Mountains. And so from the moment they arrived at camp, it was obvious that Jeff was starting to go through even more drastic changes. He was getting more prideful um, over getting away with the murder. And he relished the fact that his followers were now afraid of him, like deathly afraid, which I would be too. Yeah, but you would think, man, and this is what I never get. People that become afraid of a cult leader or anybody else, there's power in the masses. So you got like, what, 10, 20 of these people hanging out right now? Right. Something like that. And one Jeff. Now, granted, he has a gun, but so do you guys, and you have shovels, and he's got to sleep sometime. You, yeah, you would think. And then, check this out. He would often brag that he was not there during the murders, but he did talk about how each one died and how he had snuffed out their lives. So, Good nut job, man. Yeah, it's like, hello, how does that make sense? Right? So they soon converted the camp to a military-style camp compound. Go figure. They dug foxholes, and guards were posted on a rotating basis. The men of the group were were told if anybody tried to come into the camp, they were to use deadly force. 
and an aircraft submachine gun was also set up in order to shoot down any helicopters in case law enforcement tried to come in that way. Boys and girls, welcome to my neighborhood. Can you say acts of terrorism? I know right? you could. I mean, that's even worse than David Koresh. No, can, well, I don't. I still think David Koresh was an innocent. Well, this is the thing: victim. is I believe that I do believe, and I know this draws into conspiracy, and people are going to hate me, and we're going to get hate mail. I believe the FBI fought, fired first. I think that they did, they did as well because I, from what I could read, and I could be wrong, I think David uh, Koresh was had a legitimate thing going on. Like, right, he was spreading some good news. I don't believe the because after all the accusations of child molestation and all kinds of stuff, nothing was ever. Yeah, even after proven. the after the whole fire and the whole Waco incident, nobody could prove anything. Right. So yeah. I, I think that the ATF and the FBI. Yeah, I think what happened was is they saw the guns and they started to feel like they were going to be fired upon. So I believe that they did fire the first shot. And I know I'm going to get hate mail. But you know what Koresh wasn't doing? Murdering freaking children. And, and families. And families. And burying them. And, and setting up submachine guns. Yeah, I mean, anti- anti-aircraft yeah. guns. <laughs> Criminy. Exactly. Exactly. The, is the Book of Mormon right for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> well you're yeah. Today. It's horrible. So by midsummer, Jeff had become so radical as his attitude towards married men of the group. And... Uh, in his attitude, and he told the married men of the group that they would turn over their wives to him so that they can be these women could be cleansed by his seat. Oh my God! Egotistical yeah. butthole. And he told everybody that if they chose not to follow the, his instructions, that they would meet the same fate as the Averys. And Jeez. so the tension obviously began to build. Every day it was worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where many of those members started to doubt that, hey, I don't think he's a prophet anymore. They're was. just now starting to realize that, huh? Well, at yeah. least they found a Blue's Clues paw print. Right. When what? Their wife was told to sleep with them? Well, but <laughs> let's see. Murdering a family wasn't good enough. Being super greedy wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, to convince some, um, uh, rewording the words of the Bible uh, wasn't, you know, that, that didn't convince them at all. Or even the Book of Mormon. So, yeah, and the yeah. Book of Mormon. And then claiming that you're the, you know, like the direct contact from God, that wasn't good enough. But acting like a God, but saying that you're a prophet, that didn't convince them. But now? Yeah. They're now like, that you want to sleep with my wife. <laughs> well, you want to sleep with my wife. That's You can't be the prophet. That's because prophets don't get horny or something. I don't know. I would assume you that they do. You almost made me spit out my coffee. I just say, you know, prophets sometimes get hard-ons. and <laughs> It happens. Yeah, it happens. You know, all of a sudden, you're, then the Lord said on the third day, oh, damn, pitching a tent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, by October 13th, you know, because winter's approaching, they realized that funds were getting a little low. So Jeff told them that they were going to, you know, abandon their campsite and go to Missouri. So a friend of Kathy Johnson actually owned a barn outside of Chiloe. That's such a horrible name. And gave the group permit. And she said, you know what? You guys can go ahead and stay there. So they stayed in the barn for about a week before Jeff said, you know, we need a break up for the winter and reconvene in the summer for another excursion. So each man was told, go get a job, provide for your family, and save money that you will turn over to Jeff come springtime. Right? So 
it was that breakup that, you know, when the group broke up like that, that Richard and Greg said, you know what? We need to get out of this group. They no longer believed Jeff was a prophet. They didn't believe in his teachings and they wanted to get as far away from him as possible. <laughs> I'm thinking time. that's what I'm thinking right there. It's like, you know what? When he sent me out two by two is when I would have gone. <laughs> I'd have been like, you know what? I'm not going to Pennsylvania. I'm going the opposite direction. And here's my whole thing, though, with, with that. Like after seeing him murder an entire family. It had to have crossed someone's mind, like, hey, man, if he's doing this to the Averys, what's to say he's not going to get a bee in his bonnet? Right. And all of a sudden, me and my family are in right. the pit. Hey, you want to go see the horses? No. Yeah. No, no, I don't think that we do. <laughs> what we want to see is, like, the other, like, far away from you. That's what we want to see, wherever you're not. Right. Exactly. So, Rick, once Richard and Greg had left, the others said, you know what? We can get out, too. And by then, Kathy and Sharon were already pregnant with Jeff's children. And so a few days later, they left the group with Ron. Sometime in mid-December, Jeff started worrying that, hey, I don't think the, you know, he started worrying that his followers were actually going to go to the police. And the Lundgrens... looking around going, I don't know what the flock is going on here. Right, <laughs> exactly. So then the Lundgrens and Danny Kraft actually went to Southern California and head out to, re they, you know, to hide out and see what happened. So after they established themselves in a San Diego suburb, Jeff rented out a storage locker and stashed his guns there. And then the, quote, prophet had no idea how hard his world was about to come down around him. It's like, you know what? You ain't no prophet because otherwise you'd have seen this coming. <laughs> right? Well, apparently those pregnant women didn't see him coming. <laughs> they felt it. <laughs> I feel it in my soul. Right? I'm cleansed. Oh, my God. Shut up. So on New Year's Eve, Keith actually started feeling so guilty that he contacted... An, an informant friend of his who arranged for him to meet with the Kansas City FBI agents. During that meeting, Keith told him everything he knew about what Jeff had done to the Averys. They were first, at first, like, you know what, I don't think he's telling us the truth. But then Keith drew him a map of where these bodies could be found, and they faxed it to the FBI office in Cleveland. And when the Cleveland office received the facts with the report, the agent taking the call was actually less convinced that the tips were significant. So he didn't take any action right away, and he didn't provide the Kansas City agents with the number of the Kirkland Police Department. Oh, but I'm sorry, he did provide them. My bad. I read that wrong. So as soon as Chief Yarbrough received tip. He assigned Ron Andelsek to check out the whereabouts of the Avery family. When he was unable to locate the Averys through any of their friends or family, he contacted a guy by the name of Stan Skirbis, remember him, and requested permission to search the property. And then he gave the deputy permission, and on January 3rd, 1990, Yarborough and Andelsek took the map that Keith had drawn and... And located an area in the northeast corner of the barn that looked to be disturbed. Their hearts sank when they realized that was where the Averys were buried. Do you think that they did a door of the explorer and looked at it and went, I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the right? map, I'm the map. <laughs> right? So they have obviously dug it up 
and realized, you know what? We do have the Averys here, so they issued warrants for everybody in this cult. So on January 5th, Jeff contacted his mother-in-law and asked her to drive to California to pick up her grandchildren. Donna, then, his mother-in-law, contacted the FBI in Kansas, and they relieved the message to ATF agents who went out to San Diego, and they provided Donna with provided her with a telephone number so that she could t- contact them as soon as she arrived and got the children in, you know, in her custody. Good, good, good. Yeah. So the phone number that Jeff had provided was quickly traced back to a Santa Fe motel just six miles north of the Mexican border. So, you know, he was going south to Mexico, not north to Alaska. <laughs> he's, going so, to, he's going to go down there and eat the beans and rice, and he wants a carne asada. Right? <laughs> Shut up. So as soon as Donna had the kids in her custody, um, one of the agents went in and placed a revolver at Jeff's ear and said, you are under arrest for murder. Right? And then he had Verizon with that revolver in Jeff's ear. He went, can you hear me now? Good. (laughs) As Jeff was being taken into custody, they raided the motel room and found Alice, Damon, and the younger children watching TV. Damon and Alice were then arrested with no resistance, but the first word out of Damon's mouth when they placed the handcuffs on him is, says, I didn't do the actual shooting. Okay, but you was there. You right? was there? Oh That's my God. That's what I'm you're, saying, yeah. You're, you're, you're picking up my lingo. I am. You're going to be a hillbilly in no time. I'm so tired that I don't really care how I talk so right he now. he was a there, and he was a watching too. He saw it go down. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't just say hi. This ain't right. Y'all need Jesus or Joseph Smith or something or bring him young because this ain't right at all. Bring him young. I think that's the way Jeff liked it, too. He liked to bring him young. Oh, my gosh. So. Or is that breed him young? I can't remember. Anyway. I can't. I can't right now. Stop it. Anyway, I died Greg. I died Greg. So, anyways, after, you know. Jeff, Alice, and Damon appeared in, you know, arraignment. They realized Danny and Kat, Danny Craft and Kathy Johnson were still at large, and nobody knew where they were. On January 9th, a maid at a Chula Vista motel room found two handguns, a large 50 caliber submachine gun, and hundreds of rounds of ammunition and documents identifying the occupants in the room as nobody other than Kathy and Danny. So... The, on January 10th, the next day, San Diego Patrol unit spotted Danny and Kathy traveling west um, in, da- in Danny's pickup, right? So they arrested the pair without incident, and the following day, they appeared um, before the same judge to be arraigned. Now. Now? Oh, sorry. And then? No, I was I got lost. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified. We can start doing that 80s song, yeah? No. Turn around, Brian. I know, I was going to say, turn around. <laughs> Kathy's Clem. No, no, that's a different one. That's a way different song. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, not, I don't know not how I got artist. into that one. But anyway, so on March 7th, 1990, Richard pled guilty to five counts of murder in exchange for leniency. And then, I mean, part of his plea bargain was that he had to cooperate and testify against everybody. He was obviously nervous while he was testifying because his hands shook. Oh, not testifying, but as he entered his pleas, because apparently people said he was visibly like his whole body was shaking. And so throughout the months of April and May, Greg 
Sharon, Susie, and Debbie also accepted plea bargains. Now, Greg pled guilty to five counts of murder, while Sharon, Susie, and Debbie pled guilty of five counts of conspiracy to commit murder. You know, because they were in the house. They weren't in the barn, right? Girls in the house. Chicka, 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 chicka. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. That's my rapper thing right there. Yeah. Did not work. <laughs> so by then, Jeff said, you know what? I'm not going to fight extradition anymore. Right? And he turned down the appeal to avoid extradition extradition they brought jeff and damon oh and the supreme i'm sorry the extradition supreme court, or execution i you know extradition okay because uh it sounds like everybody was kind of plea bargaining themselves out of being killed yeah so it's just that's no because he fought against the extradition and then the supreme court told damon you're going back you know there's i'm turning down your appeal you are going back to where you belong so they brought Jeff and Damon back to Ohio and incarcerated them with, you know, in the new jail. Um, and on July 24th, Alice Lundgren's trial began, you know, Jeff's wife. Right. From day one, the, her attorneys argued that she was an innocent victim swept into the whole ordeal. And I'm quoting here by an overbearing and domineering husband. Okay. Then, one by one, the prosecution played it, played its cards against her, and their star witness came forward and testified about her demeanor and her role within the group. When she took the stand, she tried to portray herself. I'm a victim. I'm just an abused wife. Blah, 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 right? And that Jeff had threatened her numerous times. And during the closing arguments, the defense argued that there's no real evidence linking her to the death of the Averys. At one point, they even compared... You're going to love this one. You ready? They compared Jeff with Adolf Hitler. And on rebuttal, the prosecution said, if Jeffrey Lundgren, Lundgren is Adolf Hitler, then she is Joseph Mengele. <laughs> Neither one of them are Hitler or Mengele. I worked with them both. These are disgusting American pigs. Right? I mean, when I saw that quote, I was like, oh my gosh, Scott's going to love that one. That's right. You know, but here's my thing with comparing anybody to... Now, Mengele, I'm going to give him a point on that because that, that's creative. But every time somebody doesn't like another person... Oh, they yeah, go, they're, they're Hitler. They're Hitler. Yeah. Every time. Nobody says, you know who they remind me of? Mao. Or Mengele. Shiro Ishii. Or Shiro Ishii. <laughs> they go... He's cruel to people. He's like Hitler. Right. That's what he's all he needs. All he needs is that little mustache going on and that greasy haircut. That's all he needs. A little toothbrush mustache. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the accident while shaving mustache and you go, screw it, it'll grow back. No, it won't. Now you just look ridiculous forever. You go, now all, you gotta keep it that way. <laughs> you will go down in history as the man who could not trim his own damn mustache without screwing it up that bad. Looks like your nose hairs are going all wild and stuff, trying to take over your damn lips. I can't even see how anybody can follow him. His hands up, you know, like like he's trying to like sight in an airplane, you know. Uh, Heil Hitler? No, that's not a Heil Hitler. Then he's trying to sight in a plane because he screwed up his mustache and his, his nose hairs are going wild. It's going to take over his bottom lip pretty soon. Pretty soon he's going to be going, mm, buy him a trimmer, mm. buy him a trimmer. Yeah, it's like, damn, man. You know, you're 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 leading huge, huge armies. Why don't you have uh, at least one person that can go? <laughs> Let me trim that for you, there, big guy, because you look ridiculous, right? <laughs> so, anyways, the jury was actually out for a day deliberating her case. Then 
the jury room, when they came back, the four women handed over the verdicts and Alice was smiling as the judge said that she was found guilty on all counts. People in the courtroom applauded, right? They were like, heck yeah. Yeah, I would have been like given the go judgey, go right? judgey, it's your birthday. Right? So judge, the judge Mitrovich, I know. From Russia. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Sentenced Alice to 20 years. In for the gulags. No, for each count of of complicity to commit murder. And 10 to 25 years for each count of kidnapping. Because, you know, she moved to more than 10 feet. Right, right, right. Right. So all of the sentences were ordered to be served consecutively, which is one after the other, as opposed to concurrently, which is all together. Correct, correct, correct. Right. Well, I always try to explain that to people. Like, what's the difference? So all said and done. Ellis wouldn't be eligible for parole for a hundred years. Good. That psycho shouldn't be out there. Because right. the even though she didn't kill the Averys, people tend to go back to similar people. Well, what I mean is like people who have been abused usually will go and find themselves another abuser. Not willingly. Right. But that's what, you know, their brain goes, oh, no, this is normality. This guy is different. You know, even though he's exactly like your ex-bomb that beat the crap out of you. Right. And uh, she would find another person who is a cultish oh, true. type of person. Yeah, she would find somebody else to follow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Sorry, I don't, I I don't believe that she has the mental wherewithal. And I could be wrong. I'm just speaking out my ass most of the time. Anyway, I don't think she has yeah, the mental no. wherewithal to make that choice. To not. Right. Or the intestinal fortitude to stand up any, to anybody. Right. Exactly. Which everybody, that's courage. <laughs> I don't I don't think that she wanted to stand up. You know what I mean? No. I think that she was fully behind the killing of the Averys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, I was in fear. Well, okay, maybe towards the end. But you've been in that game with your old man for a long time. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so. and you didn't want to say, ah, I think you're wrong. Yeah, it's like, um, hey, here, Jeffy, buddy. I think that what you're saying here is a bunch of BS, and perhaps we shouldn't be doing this. No, and all of a sudden you're an abused wife because, you know, you, you got caught. You're not sorry that they died. You're, you're sorry that you got caught. That's, exactly. That's Pretty much. Right. That's it right there. So on August 23rd, 1990, what was that? Oh, it's, an, it's a fire truck. I know. I was like, what was that? So on August 23rd, 1990, Jeff's trial began. So, you know, of course, all of the, you know, the uh, expert witnesses came forward and all the police officers came forward and, you know, gave out details of the scene. How the most damaging evidence of all was the former followers who testified and described in detail how he had set about killing each and every one of the Avery family and how he never once showed any remorse. Beautiful. Then that's, yeah. that's they needed to seal the case, honestly. You don't want that monster out there. I don't yeah. want that monster out there. Well, yeah, true. And so when it came time for the defense to present their case, not one person took the stand in his defense. Right? Well, well th- think about people like him. What? Oh, yeah. What's to say that Things can't change from just killing somebody like the Averys that are part of your little cult to all of a sudden looking at somebody like you and I got, you know, like, well, Scott's a sinner or Tammy's a sinner because oh, yeah. Tammy has a white dog. Yeah. And I it's, put too much like, garlic 
in my meat. <laughs> yeah, it could be something stupid like that. Well, yeah. the Lord said that they have to die because they like garlic. Yeah, you know, and and they like dogs or right, you know, and or he made peace with his neighbors, you know, type of thing. Which I'm still proud that I made peace with my neighbors, but uh, um, you know, something. St- it's always something that is on the surface very benign. Oh yeah, you know, it's never anything like, hey, we got to kill this guy over here because he's murdering children. Yeah. Or he's robbing from houses. Or he's or, molesting or raping. Right. or Yeah. It's always something stupid like God told me to do it or um, yeah. the, the garlic thing. You know, he uses too much garlic. Um, uh, you know, I, he used a pinch too much of salt. It's always something really benign and, and stupid that enable people to do this BS. Oh, yeah, totally. So, you know, and not surprisingly... Jeff didn't even take the stand, which, you know, we always say, don't do that anyway. Exactly. Right? So it's like he, he followed our advice. So, you know, during closing arguments, the prosecution, you know, just took ever the jury back through all of the testimony, all of the evidence that they found and everything. And so the defense attorneys actually tried to, you know, paint the picture that Jeff was a confused man who truly believed that he was a prophet following his interpretation of scripture. That's, I mean, I think I need to stress that point. Oh my God, they're, they're stretching with that one. Even yeah. Jeff knew that's BS. Yeah. So then, after only two hours of deliberation, they found him guilty on all counts. And he showed no emotion as the verdicts were read and the penalty phase started on September 17th. Okay, number one, y'all need to chop chop with that stuff. We have a four and a half minute... I know, dude. And then what's his name? That guy in uh, France, that doctor in France. Yes, where uh, it averaged Patois. out to like a Patois. And it, that averaged out to like 90 seconds. 90 seconds yeah. each. So you guys got some big shoes to fill. I would like to see you guys convict or, you know, uh, somebody, uh, not convict him, but, uh, you know. Uh, find him guilty. Find him guilty in 90 seconds or less. Right. Let's, well, let's and then there was that Goals, one, people. Goals. There was that guy in Texas, remember, that we think his brother actually did the killing? Yeah, Anthony Boyd, Charles Anthony Boyd. Right, right. He was that, the, he, he was the black feller who right, he, he was that, very, like, he was retarded. Yeah, that by the time the jury left the box, walked to the room, you know, deliberated, gave the guy his thing, came, you know, told the courts back. It probably averaged out to right around five minutes. You yeah, know, yeah, that that that's still too long. Chopped up, but right. uh, in Boyd's case, though, I he was. Uh, I still, in my heart of hearts, feel like he was executed for no reason. Oh, I do, too. I think his brother did it. I do, too. And it's it's sad, man. Yeah. That that one there kind of broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, me, me too, because I think, you know, considering they convicted him on the fact that he his blood held a marker that 30% of the population had, you know, that's a little far-fetched to me. No, I agree. I agree. So, you know. So I, they, I have a question. Are you holding lip balm over there? I am. Why? I'm just wondering why you're holding it. I hate you because my lip is dry. No, it isn't. You want to know how I know? You ain't got no lips. And how do you know I'm holding lip balm? Because I can see it underneath the damn monitor. Because you ain't got no lips. I hate you. Hey, ask your favorite person, Shaniqua. She'll even tell you. (laughs) Shaniqua is not my favorite person. And my son and I were just laughing about this the other night. Shaniqua likes you. Why can't you you two get along? Because I told him, I said, my lips hurt because being out in the wind, the cold wind. He goes, Mom, that's impossible. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like I always say, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, if it it ain't got no lips, it ain't got no lips. It can't get chapped. (laughs) It hurts. Your mouth all hurts, but you ain't got no lips. 
Shut up. Unless you put them in a box in storage or something. No, I have nothing left in storage. Oh, that's right. That's right. All the inventory from that got yeah, cleared out. Everything's in my pantry in my closet. So um so at, during the penalty phase, um Jeff's family and various psychologists were brought in to testify, and Jeff actually even took the stand at one point. He gave a five-hour statement that said that he, where he basically said that he was a prophet and God had told him through interpretation of scripture to kill the Averys. Dennis stated, you know, this other guy stated that Jeff was a false prophet and, quote, had to be killed along with his family. So on September 21st, 1990, they de- the jury deliberated for two hours and then returned with a recommendation that Jeffrey be put to death five times over. Yeah, I kind of agree with him. Yeah. So once again, he showed no emotion. Then Damon's trial began on September 11th. Defense attorneys tried to show the jury that Damon provided little assistance and was in constant fear of his abusive father. So the prosecution, however, painted a picture of an unremorseful young man who actively participated in the murders and prior to them had purchased the lime that had been used to cover the bodies. So following closing arguments, the jury broke for deliberation on September 17th and came back with their, their verdict the next day. They found him, Damon, guilty of kidnapping and aggravated murders of Dennis, Becky, Trina, and Karen Avery. However, he was acquitted in the death of Cheryl. Prosecutors later speculated that the jury, for unknown reasons, must have believed Damon did not actively participate in her murder, which, to me, makes no sense. Because if he participated in Dennis's, which was the first guy, and he participated in the three after that, how did he not participate in Cheryl's murder? Right? Easy. Okay, he was framed? No. Lunch break, man. Murder and some tiring work. He had to go get a sandwich. He's like, hey, look, you guys need to take this one for me because I'm going to go make a sandwich. I'm going to have myself a glass of water. This is hot, sweaty work, and I'm hungry. Right. So then they decided, you know, he had to go through the penalty phase. And then after they, the jury heard the testimony, they decided, you know what, let's spare his life. So he was sentenced to 20 years to life for each count of murder. In October... Dennis and Tanya Patrick pled guilty to obstruction of justice because they're the ones that, you know, kind of left and came back. And on November 5th, Danny Kraft pled guilty to five counts of aggravated, aggravated murder, five counts of kidnapping, and he was sentenced to serve 20 years on each of those counts. But his sentence ran concurrently. Well, but I just I got to thinking about Damon, the, 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 the son. son. I can kind of understand where he would be. Like, even if he did go and buy the lime, what are you going to do? Look at your dad and say, no, I'm not going to go buy the lime. Right. This man's, like, legit psycho. Right. You know, uh, you're not going to... I can understand where he would be in fear. Right. You know, so I'm not saying that he didn't willingly kill. I'm just saying that I kind of see where he would be in fear, and that would also kind of play into we're always seeking the acceptance of our parents right that's true too so he wants to be accepted by his family right and in order to do that he might have to kill somebody right you know except for the one he was having a sandwich when she died (laughs) um sweaty work when he (laughs) went out to go take a bleak yeah he's like hey i'll be right back i gotta take a a little potty potty behind the barn (laughs) and uh 
you know, because all that coffee caught up with me. Happens to me, man. Right. I, I feel your bladder pain, man. I feel, I feel your bladder pain. <laughs> so on May 5th, 1999, Jeff actually filed a petition for a writ of habeas corpus. Right? And then on, um, you're going to love this, the U.S. District Court judge, his name was Judge Nugent. Yeah. <clears throat> And I know exactly what he did. I don't think his name was Ted, but, you know, he I could looked, be wrong. He, 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 he looked at Jeffrey and said, got me in a stranglehold. I got you in a stranglehold, baby. Best get out of my way. That's what he did. <laughs> the <So>, nuge. <laughs> Listen to this. So on May 27th, he filed a notice of intention to file petition for habeas corpus and a motion for appointment of counsel in the U.S. District Court. Then on June 7th, the district court issued a case management order. Pursuant to that order, one of Lundgren's attorneys submitted a proposed budget for this trial of $131,600. I'm sorry. Let me say this again. $131,625. There we go. I kept wanting to put a decimal point there. Is, where it is that a thousand? You're talking thousands or are we talking hundreds? 131 $131,625. That makes more sense because uh, $131, seriously, and this isn't even a yeah, joke, no. won't even get you an attorney that is right out of law school who is half yeah. retarded and licking windows. Yeah, you might, as, you might as well get a public defender. Yeah, you'd have a better so, shot as opposed to, like, you know, Bobby who's sitting there going, I made it the quest away. Right. These squirrels. And you're like, um, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, you know, what are you charging? $200 an hour. No, no, get a public defender did because, <laughs> but that that sounds like a reasonable budget. You're talking a capital murder case, a hundred thousand plus isn't bad. I would think it'd be higher than that, right? <coughs> but at least it's a it's a it's a reasonable expectation of a budget for a capital trial. Yeah. So check this out. I'm checking. <laughs> So on August 10th of that year, the district court actually came back with their response for that proposed budget. And they said, quote, it was frivolous and an affront to any responsible person. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, no, dude, no, you're not going to cost us any more money. So now Alice, Sharon, Debbie and Susie are currently serving their time at the Marysville, Ohio State Prison or Prison for Women. In 1991, Alice filed for and was granted a divorce from Jeff based on irreconcilable differences and imprisonment. I was going to say, it's pretty irre... Uh, you, you can't reconcile being in prison apart from each other. Right? <laughs> so then... Yeah, pretty, pretty on the nose. Right. So Jeff and Damon are currently at the Mansfield Correctional Institute in Ohio, and Jeff... Spends his free time on death row, working on his appeals and writing letters to whoever will write to him. Most of his letters are filled with, quote, biblical proof of his viewpoints, which could you expect anything less than that? So on April 11th, 1999, some of the cult members decided to break their silence. Um, Ron Luff said, I've been through that scenario a hundred times or more. I could have put them in a car and taken them off. But was that a consideration, a viable option? No. No, he would have killed you too. Yeah. He would have shot you through the damn car. Right. And then Susan, Ron's estranged wife, said, I still don't know what happened. Something went terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, think when people get shot in right. a pit. Yeah, yeah, think. You didn't, she didn't even have to say that. Like, seriously. 
Someone terribly wrong. Yeah, no right. kidding. Well, wow, and then she went genius. on to say because she's staying at the um, Ref- or Ohio Reformatory for Women in Marysville. Um, she says, I didn't understand any of it. We were supposed to help the hungry. We were supposed to help the poor. None of that happened. Right? And then she goes on to say, I don't want to just be a survivor, but I strive to be a phenomenal woman ready for any task, job, or opportunity that comes my way. I know I can give a great contribution to society, and I'm doing everything I can here to give back. Um, And Ron still actually refers to her as my Susie. Oh. Yeah, though they have, they have not spoken in seven years, he convinced that she has not come to terms with what happened to her. Um, moreover, he is but, bitter that his in-laws are raising their children. He goes, I get Christmas cards, birthday cards, that sort of thing. I really don't have a relationship with my kids anymore. Oh, my thing on, is, is, you don't deserve a relationship with them. And I agree, but was she one of the ones that got knocked up by Jeff? She's one of them, I think. Okay. If I can, if I recall, yeah, I, mean, I was just I'm trying to get it like, straight in my head. Yeah, I, it's really early that I'm really not following along with what I'm saying myself. That's great. Let our listeners know that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Hi, my name's Tammy, and this this morning I'm like half retarded because I can't follow along because I'm not awake because Scott's a butthole and he gets oh. up at like three o'clock in the morning. That's right. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> He's um, chipper after coffee at 3 o'clock in the morning. Good morning, sunshine. What kind of man does that? A monster. That's who does that. A monster. Right? Well, check this out. This is what I don't understand. Um, one of the, A Cleveland newspaper actually released a statement that says, The Kirtland slayings, coupled with the reports of violence out of Utah, have caused soul-searching among many Mormons who want an explanation for the violence and cult activities that have been associated with their faith. And I believe that they're talking about the, um, what's his name? Jeff's. Yeah, Jeff's. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name right offhand. Yeah, the, the guy we're mainly talking about. Yeah, the about. guy who had the compound where everybody yeah. dressed in, like, you know, pioneer clothing. Yeah. Yeah. The guy, the guy in question, Jeff Lundgren. Right. No, they're talking. I'm talking about the in the Utah. The violence in Utah, I believe, was Warren oh. Jeffs, the guy who had the compound where he was molesting the girls and marrying these ten year olds. Oh my! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, remember okay. he recently got arrested and tried. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Um, so, giving one possible answer, the article actually quoted a woman by the name of Sandra Tanner, who was the great great granddaughter of Brigham Young. she's also a former mormon she said once you accept that the man you are following speaks for god then you are actually left at his mercy when you give that kind of authority to a man you are also open to the possibility of abuse that's why i don't date men yeah men are pigs i hate you well that and you know the fact that we have the same plumbing (laughs) that's that's a little bit of an issue so anyways, despite Jeff's crimes, though, and the negative publicity that has surrounded the Mormon church, you know, back then and recently, the Mormon, the RLDS World Church still remains opposed to the death penalty and has been petitioning on his behalf. God dang. And so that's all. <coughs> there's so much there. I mean, and there's a lot I left out. I'll, I'll have it on the blog when I finally get back to doing those again. But yeah, 
It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is. That's just unreal, man. But then again, yeah. I live in a world of common sense. Like, seriously, if I was following somebody and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we have to kill a whole family or we're going to do all this stuff. Or or this. Let's say that they go in and just because I, I relate my I try to relate myself to everything. You know, uh, let's say that it's a church based on, hey, we're going to help people who want and need guitars to get guitars. Right. I'd be like, yeah, I can, I can be kind. We're going to teach music. Great. I'll teach music. Um, but then all of a sudden, you're not doing that at all, and right. you're doing something totally different, my brain would probably kick in and go, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, I didn't sign up to pick up litter on the side of the road. Right. You know, which seems to be what we do every day. I signed up because we're going to teach music and help people get guitars. Right. Well, but then I also relate it back to, I mean... You and I have been through a lot in our lives. Yeah. So much so that we're not susceptible to that kind of shit anymore. You know, it's like we refuse to be taken advantage of. We refuse to go through that abuse that we wouldn't be susceptible to somebody like that. Well, okay. No, there's that. And I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. Yeah, me too. Kind of because, like I said, it was very convoluted and very... It's like, how did he get so many people? But then I look at, look at it, Jimmy Jones, who got all those people to commit suicide. Yeah, no, totally. So, or all the people of the Heaven's Gate cult. Yeah, there was that. Who all committed suicide as they wore the same shoes and covered themselves up. <laughs> Waiting for the Hellbop Comet because they're going to go to yeah. another world. Yeah, because they're going to be traveling in the tail of that sucker. Yep, I but. remember that. And what got me with that, with that, with the Heaven's Gate one was the leaders' names were Bo and Peep. Yes. And these weren't even disenfranchised people. These no. were like wealthy people that had their crap together. Let's follow Bo and Pete to right. the... But when she the... died in the Heaven's Gate, when she died, he went off the deep end. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a whole thing about that, too. But yeah. Oh. Damn, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so that's all I have. It's just, you know. <laughs> like I said, it was very convoluted, and I left a lot out. Jaminy Christmas. Yeah. All right, boys and girls. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at BrutalNation. We should pop right up, get the full story, and none of my BS with it. <laughs> you don't have to deal with my jokes and everything like that. And Thank my, the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray. <laughs> I'm the prophet. That's what it is. <laughs> no. Yes, I am. St. Scotty is right here. <laughs> St. Scottius. St. Scottius of the guitar. Oh, my God. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) This show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. Remember, if you're hearing this on anybody else's podcast, they're lying, cheating, thieving bastards. We'll see you guys later on. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 